Take out your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is for the people who weren't very popular in uh, school, in their little social settings, or went through an awkward period uh, trying to get there. When I was uh, in junior high, uh, I was a midget, and uh, I didn't grow off as fast as my other friends did, and uh, they let me know it by beating on me every day. And uh, so uh, uh, I really had about a tough two years of trying to identify who I was and what I, you know, without uh, going off and doing something, doing something crazy. I finally grew to be as tough as the rest of them, and I, we survived it. But I still remember that awkward period of time. It was awfully uncomfortable. Uh, you felt left out. You felt... Uh, you weren't good enough. You felt that that you know you 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 couldn't succeed, and and you had plenty of help from people telling you that you were a loser, and all those kind of things. So uh, we want to spend a minute and look at this passage uh, when David was a little boy, and the Lord said to Samuel. Now Samuel Samuel was a prophet under uh, Saul's reign. Saul was the first king of Israel. And to put in perspective, when he was selected and coronated, he stood head and shoulder above every other uh, person in Israel. Now, Jews probably aren't known to be the tallest people on the planet, but uh, he was a full head and shoulders taller than anybody else. In other words, he was kingly. He looked and, and uh, fit the role of what a king ought to look like. And the problem was he turned away from God. He turned to witchcraft. Uh, he turned to uh, soothsayers. He, 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 he did not seek God. He sought everything but God. And uh, as his uh, tenure as king moved along, God just rejected him. He said, I, I'm, I'm the wrong guy, can't be king. And so he comes to Samuel and he says to Samuel, Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now, uh, that's a serious thing for God to choose you, to give you a, a commission to minister, and then you fail at it and God has to reject you at it. That's bad. And so uh, I'm telling you, uh, because you, you see a lot of other characters in Scripture who did some bad things, and they were able to repent, they were able to suffer consequences and go on. But uh, with Saul, uh, in far as God was concerned, he had crossed the line somewhere, and it had to be in that witchcraft stuff. It had to be in, in inviting satanic influences into his heart into his life and when he did that there was no room for God and God rejected him so he tells uh, he tells Samuel to fill your horn uh, from uh, fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you uh, to Jesse the Benjaminite for I have provided me a king among his sons <clears throat> 
And Saul said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto you. So Samuel did that which the Lord spoke and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Boy, when the prophet showed up, uh, they got nervous. They wonder now when the prophet shows up if they've done something wrong, if God's found error in their ways, if he's going to judge them in some capacity or the other. And so they're a little bit nervous about the deal, but he said, I don't come, uh, I come in peace. And so they were content with that. And uh, so uh, the uh, verse 5, and he said, Peaceably, I am come to the sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, come with me to the sacrifice. And he sacrificed Jesse and his sons. Uh, and he sanctified, excuse me, Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he stood, uh, that he looked on Elab and said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now Elab was the oldest of uh, Jesse's children. And so, uh, and he, he looked kingly. Uh, he was tall, he was he was. Uh, 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 Buff, he was he was really something to to behold, and so uh, Samuel thought, surely this is going to be the new king. But God said to Samuel, look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I hope you'll take that. And remember it forever. God's not impressed with the outside. He's impressed with the heart. God reigns and rules in your heart. God knows your, uh, your commitment to him. He knows your level of sacrifice. He knows where you are. And it's the heart condition that uh, uh, God's worried about. Physical condition... I, I was over at, Wal, at uh, Walgreens one day, and there was a coach in there from Munford. And I just went in and got in the line to get a prescription. So I, I, it wasn't long, 10 minutes. But this guy, as I passed this guy, he was standing there reading vitamins, you know. And I went and got my prescription. I came back out, and he's still standing there reading vitamins. And I said, son, it don't matter how many of them you take, one day you're going to look just like me. Because age just catches up with you. There's not anything you can do about it. You can take all the vitamins in the world. But one day, old age is going to catch up with you. It's not the outside. It's the inside. It's the heart that God looks at. And so, uh, as Samuel was looking at these guys, uh, Elab wasn't the one. Uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, in verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And, Je and Jesse made Shemaiah go pass, and he, neither was the Lord with him. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen any of these. 
And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your children here? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy and had a beautiful countenance and handsome. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went back to Ramah. Now, we just got through saying that God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. Lo and behold, David shows up and says, Hey, this kid's pretty. We're going to make him king. Well, that's not exactly how that comes out. Uh, he was ruddy. He had red hair. How many red-haired Jewish people have you ever met? Not only that, he had really light skin. Really light-colored skin. And uh, in uh, the East, most uh, people are dark-skinned. And uh, Middle East. And, so, and he also had blue eyes. Blue eyes. How many Jews did you ever meet? Red-headed, light skin, blue eyes. That was him. Now, instead of in the message here, instead of him being pretty, he wasn't pretty. He was weird. That boy was strange. And Daddy had kept him out there in the field with his sheep as long as he could, uh, so that you know he didn't have to. Uh, be laughed at and so forth. Now here, so I can just see Jesse. I can just hear it. Oh my God! They're gonna make that boy the king. We're gonna. Our family's gonna be the laughing stock of the whole country. And uh, so David was anointed king. But you got to know that David's heart, according to the Bible, was likened to God's heart. He had a heart that was in perfect tune with God. The outside, not so much. The inside, he was perfectly attuned to God. All, not all, but a, a major portion of the book of Psalms was written by David. And some of them were written after he was already king. Many of them were written while he was a shepherd boy out in the pastures uh, grazing and raising the sheep. And so... Uh, as time moved on, he had a beauty, and not only, not, not only was this boy red-headed, blue-eyed, and light-skinned, he wrote poetry and sang beautifully. There you go. That's the king I'm looking for. <laughs> and uh, so there he is. And so he's called to serve in Saul's court as the minstrel uh, to, to play and entertain but he did it with spiritual songs. He did it with uh, a spirit of Christ in him. And so uh, this went on for a while. And finally, they went to war. And so Saul led the troops, and they went to war. And they went to war against the Philistines, the old nemesis that had been around forever. And there's a beautiful place. Uh, when I first started going to Israel, I... Uh, 
asked the guide, I said, I want to go to Ely Valley. He said, what's that? I said, that's the place Goliath got killed, where David killed Goliath. Well, I don't know where it is. Well, ask somebody. The country's no bigger than West Tennessee. This is not hard. Uh, you know, just ask somebody. So finally, <laughs> finally he figured it out, and we went down there, and sure enough, exactly, exactly like God says, there's a mountain here that Israel was on. There's a mountain over here that the Philistines were on, and there's a valley in between. And Goliath would come down off of one mountain, and he would challenge the strong man of Israel to come fight him. There's no need of everybody getting killed. There's no need of having a war. I'm the champion of the Philistines. Send out the champion of Israel, and we'll do battle. And whoever wins, the other army will serve them. That was going to be the deal. Problem was, he was actually talking to King Saul. King Saul was the biggest, baddest man in the Israeli army at the time. He was the one that was supposed to go out and fight Goliath. But he wouldn't do it. He was afraid. He was scared. And so Jesse, David's dad, said, Go check on, see how things are doing on the war front and carry with you some cheese and carry with you some bread so that when you get there, you can give some to your brothers and then give some more to the commanding officers. And so David gets to the army camp. He gives his cheese. He gives his bread away. And about that time, the giant comes out. So David's listening to all of this. Send down your champion, so forth and the other. And so David said to his brother, said, hey, go kill him. What do you mean go kill him? He's a giant. Yeah, but he's an enemy of Israel. We serve the living God. With God on our side, who can be against us, right? And so he said, go get him. No. And you shut up, by the way. Who did you leave those few sheep with? That's exactly what his brother said. Who did you leave those few sheep with? Now you see how his brother was already degrading him, making, little, making light of him, making little of him. But anyway, he said to two or three, hey, go fight the man. Word got back to Saul. Saul said, hmm. Somebody's going to get killed. It's better to be David than me. And so Saul decided to let David go and fight the giant. But now Saul was going to be really kind to him. Saul was going to loan him all of his armor. You understand? He was going to give him all of his armor. And so David couldn't pick the shield up. It's too heavy. He put the helmet on, couldn't talk, couldn't see. And uh, he put the leggings on. He put all that stuff. He said, I can't move in this. I can't do this. And so he rejected all of the king's armor. He rejected all, everything the king had. And he took his little slingshot, which is, by the way, just, it's not like the ones we had with rubber bands to them. They had these, still have them in Israel. I've, uh, I've watched uh, on television when some of those guys are chunking rocks. And they still use a slingshot sometime uh, to, to chunk a rock. They've got one string they get tied around their hand. The other string's loose. And they put a rock in it, swing it around, and turn loose of the, of the loose end. That rock's gone. 
And so that's all David had was that little, uh, little slingshot. He goes down to the valley, and there Goliath starts laughing, making fun of him. Who sent this dog down here, this puppy? Who sent this kid down here? What do they think I am? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut his carcass up and feed him to the birds. David didn't say anything. He just reached down and picked up five smooth stones. Put them in his little bag, his little shepherd's bag. And he took one out and put it in his sling. And he charged the giant. And the Bible says the stone stuck right in his forehead. And laid him down out cold. Then... David goes over, takes Saul's own sword. And you read about that thing. It's a wonder you could pick it up. But once he dropped it, he, he cut uh, Goliath's head off and showed the victory. Now, did the Philistines stay and serve? No, they cut and run. And that was just as well because the battle was over, everybody. But now Saul, by this time, is having a hard time. <clears throat> <coughs> because who's getting all the credit for winning the war? David is. Who's supposed to win the war? Saul was. And uh, as they would go into the major cities, the women would dance and they would sing that Saul has slayed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And boy, the more they did it, the worse it was. And I don't know how long it was, but David spent a long time hiding from Saul and fighting Philistines. See, he had to continue to protect Israel from the Philistines and at the same time run from Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. And this went on for months and months that David would have to go skirmish the Philistines and quieten them down and then run off again and hide Another reason I wanted to go to Elah Valley, and I hadn't found it yet, so I keep going back, is David's stronghold. Now, the Bible said it's a cave, but a stronghold may not necessarily be a cave. It also may have been an old fort. And so they haven't discovered yet a precise place where the stronghold was because there's a real reason I love the stronghold. Uh when I was in the country growing up, our water tasted better than everybody else's water. Now, if you're raised in town, all water tastes the same. But in the country, the water tastes like the minerals in the soil of your farm. And so I was born drinking that water. It was good water. But I went down to my uncle's house, and they had terrible water. Of course, they thought it was good water, but it had too much iron in it. You could taste it, and on and on. Well, David was in the stronghold one day hiding from Saul, and he said, Man, I wished I had a drink from the well of Bethlehem. Now, why did he want to drink from the well at Bethlehem? That was his hometown. He grew up drinking that water. What had he been drinking in that stronghold? He'd been drinking water in, in goat skins. He'd been drinking water out of old uh, clay jars 
clay and 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 as much if they ever got a rain he could go to the creek and and scoop up some water but basically it wasn't good and he said oh man just for one drink of the well of Bethlehem and you know four of his strong guys risked their own lives and they went up snuck into Bethlehem got him drew water from the well of, of Bethlehem and they brought the water back to David and gave it to him said, sir, it's our honor to present you with this water from the well of Bethlehem. And David was humbled. He was floored by it. And he turned around and poured all the water they brought him on the ground. And they said, why did you do that? He said, only God is worthy of the kind of sacrifice you guys made. I'm not worthy of the sacrifice you men made. You put your own life at risk to go get me this water, and I do appreciate it. But God alone is worthy of that kind of sacrifice, and he poured the water out on the ground. I wish that our story of David just ended right there. I wish that was it. But sadly, it's not. He became king of all Israel. He ruled and ruled well. But eventually, he began to get complacent. He began to get satisfied. He, he began to think, uh, you know, I've worked hard enough. I've done enough. I believe I'll, I'll rest a while. I believe I'll... And so what he did, the Bible says... In the time of the year when kings go to war, David stayed home. Now, isn't that a contradiction in that verse? It's the time of year kings go to war. David stayed home and sent Joab instead. Joab went to head the army. Who was supposed to be on the white horse leading the army? The king was. And as long as the king was sitting on his horse, keep fighting. All's good. He was, the, he was the flag. He was the inspiration for all of the battle. And so they were across Jordan, which is uh, today. Uh, oh, come on, mine just uh, went blank. Huh? Yeah, it's Jordan, but what's the capital? Ammon. Yeah. So they were at Ammon, and they were fighting. And uh, so... David was at home. And so it was in the late evening. And David was bored. And David was walking around out on his palace. Out on the porch. Out on the balcony. And he looked down. And lo and behold. This beautiful woman. Was taking a bath. Now she did nothing wrong. By being on her rooftop, naked, taking a bath. You draw water, you put it in a tub, and you let the sun heat it all day. And then come nighttime, you took a bath. So she was, it was dusk, she had gone up on the roof before the water got cold, and she took a bath. Respectable men would turn and walk away. They would, they would. 
David decided to hide his eyes. Except he didn't do too good a job. And there, out of place with God. Now remember, he's out of place with God. Because it's the time of year, what? Kings go to war. He was the head of Israel. He was supposed to be someplace else, but he didn't. He had grown complacent. He had grown lazy, so to speak. And he let Joab go do it, and here he was. And lo and behold, he ordered that woman to come up and had relations with him. Okay, Lord, I won't do it no more. I'm sorry. <laughs> you ever done that? Ever done something to say, okay, God, whew, I won't let that happen again. And he was doing okay until Bathsheba sent word to him that she was pregnant. Uh-oh, where was her husband? He was over at Amman fighting. So David quickly, hastily, hastily sent a messenger to uh, his, her husband and told him to come back, that he had urgent business for him, and to bring plans, tell me how the battle's going. And so Uriah came, and David acted like he was having this strategic meeting with him, and he talked about plans, and he wrote some stuff, and put it in a, and sealed it up, and and uh, so uh, he told uh, he told uh, uh, he told him he's all right, go on home. Your wife be glad to see you, and, and it'll be okay. But uh, he wouldn't do it. Uh, he didn't think it was fair for him to go to his wife in the middle of the battle while the other soldiers were out in the field and could not go to their wife. So he went to the barracks and slept. He went to the barracks and slept. <laughs> it's not working. So the next night, David told him, wait one more day before he goes. And David had a big party and gave him a bunch of wine. said, okay, now go on home and sleep it off. No, he didn't do it. He went and laid down in Bathsheba's doorway. Didn't even go in. So David had to come up with another scheme. So in one of those rolled up scrolls, he put a death sentence in there for Uriah. And he sent it to Joab by the hand of Uriah. Uriah carried his own death certificate to Joab. And the message was in the heat of the battle, all of Israel withdraw and Uriah would be killed. And he was killed. And so this man of God, who from a little bitty boy had loved God, had a heart after God, wanted so much to build God's kingdom and God's nation. You remember the inside? He, he let that go. He got out of place. He didn't do in his heart. He didn't obey what he was supposed to do. And because of it, being out of place, being out of fellowship, getting away from the grace of God, what did he do? He sinned and messed up really, really bad. The downside of that is, not only did the little boy die, the baby died, and uh, we have a beautiful passage when he writes about the little baby, the child cannot come back to me, 
but I will go and be with the child, which lets me know that when I'm doing the funerals of infants, innocent infants have already gone to heaven. They're with Jesus. And so I know that, and I can preach that with authority. But not only did the little boy die, and David suffered tremendous embarrassment, evil never left his family after that. The children fought each other. Uh, One of the boys tried to overthrow his own father and take over the kingdom. And there was chaos in David's own house from that time forward because one time he got out of place, didn't have a heart resting with God, and he did something awful. And because of it, he paid for it, his family paid for it, Israel paid for it. And what I'm saying two things. Maybe you were a little nerdy kid growing up. Get over it. God loves you. It's the inside, not the outside. But for all of us who are walking with God, watch it. Watch it. If you're walking close with God, I tell you there's a target on your back. And that target is aimed at by Satan. And he will do anything and everything he can He can't send you to hell. You're already a Christian. But he will do anything and everything to destroy your witness. To stop you from being able to influence or have any type of leadership bringing others to know the Lord. It is a harsh thing to happen. But I promise you, everyone in here, listen to me, Satan hates you. You daddies, Satan hates you. He wants you to, to mess it up so your children will be messed up. He don't want you to raise godly children. He doesn't want you to raise a spiritual family. He wants you to do anything and everything but raise a spiritual family. He doesn't want you involved in church ministry. He doesn't want you helping out uh, do, doing the, the things of God. And you just step out of place one time and give Satan a foothold. And when you do, boom, the trap door shuts. I imagine David wished a million times over. It had never happened. It had never happened. It had never happened. It had never happened. But it had happened, and it was irretractable. So I encourage you, let your heart draw close to God. Work on keeping a pure, clean heart with God and then guard it. Oh, my, guard it. Be very, very careful of the influences that can come into your life and can give you a a huge setback. Not only hurt you, hurt everybody you know. Let's pray. Father, I do love you and honor you. I thank you for you being our Lord and Savior. I thank you for this story of David. I love the story. I love the story. I've got it almost totally, wholly memorized in my heart and mind because it's so loud. The story speaks so loud. It's not a fable. It's not a made-up story. The real situation where this, this young man loved you so much and defended your kingdom and defended your people And worked his heart out 
only at the last to see it blown away by disobedience. His heart slipped out of joint. His heart was removed momentarily from obeying the Lord. And it got him. Lord, would you help us? I don't care how young we are. I don't care how old we are. Would you help us have a pure heart and guard it? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We give invitation this morning.